are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham. And we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things. If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. We are so excited that you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. My name is Chrissy Dunham, and I am here with my co-host, Lisa Clark, and we are in the middle of one of the most exciting and amazing stories in the Bible. There's a lot of them, but this one is just (laughs) so fun. So we're in the book of Esther, and today we're going to discuss chapters 7 and 8. But before we start, I always just have to check in with Lisa. I don't get to see her on a daily basis, and we go to different campuses at the church we attend. So Lisa, what in the world's going on? <laughs> Fill you in on my life? Yes. <laughs> oh, my life right now. Well, I mean, I think it's like everybody else's. Lots of graduations and weddings and kids' birthdays. I think there's a grandchild's birthday every weekend right now, it seems. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I know well, when you've got grandkids, that's when you've just got twelve you like you do, I mean that's going to happen. And two of ours have the same birthday, so that's kind of fun. That's but fun. yeah, so I mean, just lots of birthday parties and all of those things, which just makes life so rich. Yes. And you know, I started thinking about this the other day, Chrissy, because the older we get, and I know that you still you work full time in your daughter's business and have so much fun, and that just gives you such joy and being with your family. But the older we get, you know, our responsibilities tend to dwindle a little bit, right? Right. So we have to be purposeful and intentional about how we spend our time and giving ourselves a why for, I think so many people just quit once they get a little bit older and don't really have a why for getting up in the morning. And then I think that would probably lead to depression and anxiety and finding your purpose and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just so thankful for our podcast ministry. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to teach a life group. I'm so thankful for health, you know? Yeah. I mean, just go down the list, right? Go down the list. Lots and lots of things. When you start thinking about it, you're like, why am I even talking to you about my request? You've already given me so, so, so much. Thank you. And this story that we're doing reminds me of that too. I mean, Esther... She was created for this one moment in time. And I always wonder, what's my one moment? Have I already experienced it? Or what is it coming? Yeah, like, what is it? And then you start thinking it's just, you know, every season, there's probably a point. There was a moment that you were born for. So don't you think? Don't you think? I I I heard our pastor in and y'all's pastor at the North Campus might have said it too, Connor Bales, but that studies show that you're most productive between 60 and 70 years old. Oh, we were out of I town mean, this hallelujah. weekend, so I may have missed that. That's awesome. Well, no, it was a couple months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but I always thought that was just a great reminder yeah. and encouragement as we do get older and have birthdays and wonder, okay, am yeah. I am I on the downhill <laughs> run well, here? You know, or? your fourth quarter should be your most productive because you have more time on your hands. You do have so. more time. 
you have a perspective, you have yes. wisdom. I mean, take all that, bottle it up and go for it, right? That's right. That's, so that's right. what we're doing. And I'm very thankful to have you as a ministry partner as we do this. And none of us is perfect. We're still yep. learning. We're still works yep. in progress. Yeah. And uh, we're figuring this out as we go. But man, I'm thankful. I just have a grateful heart today. And Very as we thankful. record this, so as we dive into chapter seven and eight, and I hope you guys are doing Bible study with us. And I think this is just a fun thing to do together. Grab your pen, your Bible and, and your uh, journal or notebook and study God's word along with us. And in chapter seven, as we look at what it is in a nutshell, it's hoping to gain some consolation from his private dinner with the king and queen. Haman's expectations turned to terror when Esther revealed him as the man responsible for plotting against her life and all the Jewish people. So here we dun, go. Dun, dun, dun. I know, it, I know it gets exciting. So this is really seven and eight is really the crux of the story. Yes. It's the most important piece and it's where all the action takes place. So if you remember, this is the second banquet that Esther has issued an invitation to the king and Haman to come to you. If you recall, she came to them before they went to the banquet and the king is like, what's your request? And she goes, oh, you know, I'll let you know at the next banquet that we're going to have. Yeah. So that's where we are today at chapter seven. And so the king and Haman are at the banquet. She has gotten everything served. And the king is like, come on, Esther, what is your request? I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you the kingdom. I'll give you anything. And so here is what she asked for. And it's found in chapter seven, verse three. Queen Esther answered. If I have found favor with you, which of course she had, your majesty, and it pleases you, grant me my life. Mm -hmm. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and alienated. Now, remember, she has not disclosed that she is a Jew. She has not disclosed that. And so he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. What? What what are you talking about? Yeah. Because Haman had talked him into this. Right. The king had actually issued this to happen. Again, he has no idea that she's a Jew. He knows nothing. He's just kind of a, a leader that just stamps something. Okay, sounds like a great idea without researching it, without knowing what's going on. Right. So she has told them, we're we're getting ready to be killed. And if we were going to be just sold as slaves, like in other words, if that was what it was going to be, I don't care because that benefits you. But if you kill us off, where's the benefit to you? What's going to happen? So now he is hot. <laughs> and he said, well, who is it? And where is the man that has dared to do such a thing. Where is he? And she said, this enemy is Haman. Mm -hmm. So the king has to step outside. Like he is fuming. He looks like a fool. He looks like a fool. Yeah. He's just like, oh my gosh. So he goes into the courtyard just to kind of pull himself together. And of course, Haman goes before the queen and he is terrified. Right. And he's like, you know, save me, save me, you know, do what you can help me out. My fate is here. And what is her response? Just as the king returns back in, 
he sees that Haman's reclining on the couch with Esther. And he's like, wait a minute. So now you're going to take advantage of the queen that is in my house. And as soon as that word had left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face and they impelled him. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, his wife and friends had said, set up this big pole so you can kill Mordecai. Well, jokes on Haman, because that is how he died, is on the pole that he set up for Mordecai. Yeah. Da, da, da. I know. It's so, so crazy. It's such an interesting thing mm-hmm. and paradox that Haman had been so angry and he made this foolish decision based on the advice of his wife and friends that that ended up being his own death. Right. So very interesting. And a couple of things that ran through my mind is your sin is always going to find you out. Yes. It's always going to find you out. I looked it up and in Luke, it says there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Yeah. So I love that verse. There's comfort in that verse. If you feel like you've you been have treated unjustly. Yeah, injustice. Yeah. yeah. Know that their sin is going to find them out. Yeah. All you have to do, you know, in Exodus 14, 14, it says, be quiet. Let me fight the battle. Let me fight it. That's God talking. Let right. me fight your battle. Right. So if you know the truth, the truth's going to set you free. So you just hang on. So that's, right. that's one thing that popped in my head yeah. uh, about this part. What about you, Lisa? Well, just exactly what you just said. Proverbs 29, 26 says, many seek an audience with the ruler, but it is from the Lord that man gets justice. Yes. And so, you know, why do we all seek an audience with the ruler? Well, who doesn't want to be with the pretty girl, right? Exactly. Who doesn't want to be with the one in charge? Who doesn't want to be with the powerful people? You're invited to the White House. Wow. That's going to go on your social media, you know? Yep. Yep. So, but justice, where does justice come? None of those people can do anything for you that is right, that is from the Lord. Only the Lord can do that. And the Lord is the one that gives you justice. And so for Haman, he sought an audience with the king for sure, but God is the one that gave him his just due. It's quite ironic. And I'm talking about the irony of this whole thing. His burning rage was when a Jew would not bow down to him. Now it's a Jew who decided his fate. That's right. You know? So, I mean, how are we supposed to pursue our lives with inhumility and love? Injustice, seeking out the benefit of others, not always wanting the limelight on ourselves, not always wanting ourselves to be elevated. Man, if your life is about that, about yourself all the time, what am I going to get out of it? What's in it for me, 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 me? Well, that is exactly contrary and the opposite of what God has for us. He wants us to serve, He wants us to be humble, He wants us to reflect Him in all that we do. And this was the opposite of what Haman was. And he was, his rage that was pitted out of pride Yes, was to annihilate a whole people group. And God said, no, no, we're not going to do that. And I'm going to provide a way out for my people as I always do. Mm -hmm. God always did this. I love in that scripture where in chapter seven, 
So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. So like you said, the king, King Xerxes, was kind of a really fluid leader. (laughs) He kind of went with the ebb and flow and he was easily influenced. And I think when you've got people like that in your life, you can take advantage of it. And Mm -hmm. Haman obviously did. Well, look at the pendulum swings and Esther did as well. But her influence was for good. And I think for women, it's so important. How are we using our influence? Who are we affecting? And is it for good or is it for evil? Right. And so as women, we, I mean, from the very beginning, from Genesis, Eve used her influence on her husband and it was not a good influence at the time. So we have a chance every day, a choice every day. How are we going to use our influence? Is it going to be a godly influence and affect his kingdom for good? Or will it be used by the enemy? So I think that's one thing that we need to consider as we walk through this earth. You know, you can look at how does chapter seven, uh, what does it say to me? What does it say to Lisa? And is my influence being used for good, for the kingdom of God? So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think this is such a great chapter to remember that even though God's not mentioned in this, we see his hand. So what does that say to me? Even though. Yep. I don't see God in this right now. He's there. That's exactly what I wrote down. My takeaway was God is at work. Yeah. Our job is to trust him no matter what, even when we see nothing Mm. happening. I mean, think about Esther. This one, she was queen for years. Mm -hmm. This wasn't just like a week. Mm -hmm. And she knew her assignment and she waited and trusted, even though God's not mentioned, she fasted. She did all the things just waiting for God to move and show her what to do. And he was at work that entire time. Yes. And everything happens for a reason. That pole was set up for a reason. God, he was going to win in the end and he will always win in your life. He's going to win in my life if we are patient and we wait and we trust him and we keep praying and asking, even though we see nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So encouraging. So encouraging. Okay. So let's move to chapter eight. So in a nutshell, Haman was dead, but his edict against the Jews still stood. In great reversal, a new decree was issued on behalf of the Jews. So this is what now we're into how are we going to get ourselves out of this? Right. In Proverbs, I just want to read Proverbs eleven seven before we dive in. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. All he expected from his power comes to nothing. So, man, that is a proverb written for Haman, isn't it? Yes. Man. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so in chapter eight, we have King Xerxes. And you see before in chapter seven, the last verse, and the king's wrath subsided. So now you've got the king changing up everything and he starts appropriating Haman's stuff. And he's like, okay, here, Mordecai, you can have his ring. Now you're in charge of all Haman's stuff. So he just starts handing that you take his home, you take his land, you take his family. Pretty funny, you know, that how in one day, everything changes. So good for us to remember. Yes. So good. It can happen in just a twinkling of an eye. It can happen in a moment. Everything changes, as we all know. So Esther's like, this is great. This is also great. But what about these orders? Can you lift these orders? Well, 
they cannot lift the orders. Once the king signs off on something and a decree goes out, it goes out. That's just the way it was. But he said, let's issue a new decree. Let's put something new in order here and let's get that out. And why don't we allow them to protect and defend themselves? I'm going to raise you to power. I'm going to put these robes on you with a crown and you're going to start parading yourself out. And the province is going to start to see that, oh, wow, there's a new kid in town and this decree might be not something we want to do. We might not want to fight against the Jews now because it looks like there's a new decree and they're going to be able to defend themselves. And we know that their God will defend them. And that's exactly what happens. Let's look through chapter eight a little bit. We see that in verse two, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. So that was kind of an awkward thing because (laughs) Mordecai was the one that would not bow down to Haman and his family's the one that said, build the gallows. And then we know that Haman died on there. So that's a little bit awkward. But in verse three, now Esther spoke again to the king and fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman. And so she's begging again. She gets to touch the royal scepter. We move on and she says, how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then the king said to the queen, indeed, I've given Esther the house of Haman and they hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourself write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet and whatever is written shall be done. So the the scribes and all the people start writing this new decree. And it goes out to everywhere from India to Ethiopia. Anyone's going to read this decree and say, hey, Jews have been given my go ahead. They can defend themselves. And so that's what happened. And these letters go out and they're able to protect all of their stuff in themselves. So the 13th day was the day that the annihilation was supposed to take place. So this new decree goes out. And the couriers rode out on these royal horses and they hastened and they made the new decree. And Mordecai went out in the presence of the king in royal apparel and everyone sees them. And so they're also, they're starting to see that, oh, wow, there's something new is happening, something fresh. It looks like we are getting our answer to prayer. Remember that before she went to see the king, Esther said, I'm going to fast for three days. I want you to tell the people pray with me. So they had been praying. And now they're seeing Mordecai dressed in royal robes. They know that Haman's dead. They're like, God, you've answered, have you answered our prayers? Is this you, God? So the Jews had light and gladness, according to to verse 16 in chapter eight, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. This was all God. So now they're rejoicing, saying, hey, we might live after all. They're rejoicing. They're having feasts. People are seeing that the Jews God is protecting them. And they're becoming Jewish because they're believing in the God of the Jews because they know that his hand is on them. Pretty amazing. And so in the next episode, we'll talk about Purim which is pretty much all of chapter nine. But this is the Feast of Purim from verse 17 of chapter eight. Now, the battle had not begun yet, but they're already rejoicing. Why? Because they had hope now. 
That's right. Their belief in their God was so strong that they were saying, okay, this is it. He's going to show up. We're going to be given mercy here. We're going to endure. And so that's how chapter eight ends. And, you know, I just wrote in my notes, Chrissy, where should my confidence come from? That's right. Where should my confidence in 2023 come from? Should it come from a healthy checkup? Should it come from a bank account with some money? Should it come from alarm system in my home? I mean, where should my confidence come from? My confidence 100% needs to come from the God of all creation, my King, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence should come from. And the more we have to depend on him when we are just desolate, which is they were, they were ready to die. When we are just at the very last moment, our confidence whether it's at high or at a low, must always come from the Lord. Because if we believe he's sovereign and in control, then he's sovereign and in control over all things. Pretty incredible. That's right. And when you compare the people living under Haman's rule, basically, it was mourning and fasting and tears and fear and all of that, because they're like, we're going to die. Right. You know, and you always wonder if I got a diagnosis or or something, what would I do in my last days? What would I do? And you wonder how those people felt because that was quite a while that they're in their villages and in their cities and months. There's no social media. No. They don't know what's going on. They don't know when they're gonna die. They don't know when they're gonna be alienated. They know they know nothing. So they had to live in fear. And then all of a sudden, Mordecai, these people on these horses and all these things show up and there's happiness and joy and honor all because of Esther having trust in her God that this is what I was made to do. This is what I was called to do. And now there are celebrations throughout the villages, the cities, and it took a while for the word to get out. It didn't just happen overnight. So Yeah, these horses start going out, making the delivery. Now, remember, they had been given the edict and that had filtered out through all of the, on the 13th day of Adar, you're going to be annihilated. Basically, Jews are going to be annihilated. And they had been waiting and they had been waiting waiting to die. They were waiting to die. And now hope comes. Cannot imagine. On a horse with a courier Mm -hmm. saying, wait a minute. And they start rejoicing and they're like, our prayers have been heard. Our God saves. Hallelujah. And so, I mean, you go from bottom to the top. And that was just kind of the story of the Jews, wasn't it? It was. It really was. Their whole lifetime. It really was. And you also have to think about the people that weren't Jews that lived in the same city. It says they became Jewish. Because they're like, I want in on this. Right. Whoever these people are and whatever they believe in. I want this God. I want this. I want this God who saves. Yes. So if you take it into modern day times, Lisa, in these times that we're living in, they are horrible. Shootings every day. Yeah. Something going on every day in somebody's life. Even in our little circles, there's always something going on. And if we walk around, in fear and tears and mourning and all of that, that does not attract anybody to Jesus. 
And we know that during times like this, he told us in these end days, in these last days, all of this stuff's going to happen. All of this stuff. And so we as believers need to show happiness. We need to show confidence. We need to show joy. We need to have honor to our God because everything is under his control, just like it was back then. And you know what? The Jews were waiting to die. So are we. We're we're waiting to die. We're going to die one day. And I don't want to be known as a person that was sad and got caught up in all the things that were going on and got so caught up in the news. And I had more facts about all the shootings going on than I know about God. I don't want to live that life. I want to know more about God. I want to know more about his ways. I want to know more stories like this. This is why Bible study is so good and effective for your life, because there is hope. There's joy. All the things that we're all searching for are found in the pages of the Bible. And when you read stories like this, it just renews your salvation. It renews what you know about God. And like, you know what, God, I know you're working. Even though I don't see you, I don't feel you. I don't, I I feel like I can't even hear you. I know you're at work and I have faith in that because of stories like this. So. Yeah. And Chrissy, I mean, haven't you always heard that the Old Testament mirrors the New Testament? Yes. Well. The gospel's written all through Esther. That's right. We have a death sentence. And Jesus said, hold the phone. I'm coming so that you can have life. That's right. And there it is. I mean, they prayed for three days. He was in the tomb for three days. I mean, the gospel is mirrored all the, our hope, our only hope and our only confidence comes from the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so even on our worst day, we have hope and we have joy and we have peace because we know that our God is in control and that we are spending eternity with him. This life, we are only passing through. This is a dot. Our life is a dot. And so what are you doing with your dot? And you don't know what tomorrow holds. And so today, am I living it to the fullest? Am I reflecting Christ in everything that I do? Am I not harboring ill will? Am I getting rid of any kind of pride in my life? Am I being a humble servant? All of those things, you know, that reflect Jesus, because we do not know it tomorrow. I mean, wow, would the world could be a different place if we all live with that I got today mentality, wouldn't it? That's right. Man. It would be different. It really would. I can't wait to finish this book and see how it ends. So join us for our next episode where we will cover the end of this story. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network. And we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to ChrissyDunham.org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. 
So God bless you. And thanks again for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Mm-hmm.